Good morning. Welcome to Porterfield Baptist Church. We're so grateful to have everybody here today and to be able to worship together. We're two or more are gathered. He is there. Amen. All right, let's stand. We can sing together. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul. This bag of bones, I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly tripping a vagabond. Just an hour and out of road I'm met a man I didn't know He told me that I was not alone He picked me up, he turned me around Placed my feet on solid ground I thank the master, I thank the savior Because he healed my heart So, so long to my old friends, burning in bitterness, you can just keep it moving, oh, you ain't welcome here, from now till I walk the streets to go, I'll sing and howl, you save my soul. Yeah. 
us another one. I love that part of that song. That's why we're here, right? To show others the love of God and bring them to Him. Heaven rejoices every time. All of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you remind us of the will that you have for us as your people, as your church. May your will be done in our community right here at Porterfield Baptist and in our families, God. Help us teach our children the truth. Fill us with a sense of urgency to tell our friends, to tell our family that you've made a way. You made a way no one else could have made it. And you paved a path straight to your mercy for all of eternity. Help us to call on you, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you so much for being here today. Let's just take a moment and thank God for all he's doing. And I uh, just want to tell you, we're, we're so thankful for that you're here today. It can be a lot of different places, but you're here. You want to grow in your faith. And for anybody that doesn't know Christ, we hope that you can see Christ through our actions and what we do and how we live our lives. And just know that you're loved and you're cared about. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this great opportunity to be together and be in the midst of just this opportunity to lead us in music and celebration of what you've done for us and that you are the way maker. You provide opportunities for us and we just thank you for the opportunities you give us. We thank you for those that give and we thank you for those that serve. And we just continue to pray for your will to be done, that you guide us and direct us in all things. Give us the wisdom that we need. Help us to be able to, to seek your heart and your will for ourselves. 
and that we had reached this area and this community for you, that we not only show great love and compassion that we'll talk about today, but with that compassion that we make an effort to lead, to make uh, an opportunity or create an opportunity for you to be that life change in their life. So I pray you just be with us, be with this service, be with the opportunities that we have today to learn, to grow, and help us to be able to make a difference in this world for your name and for your glory. We give it all to you and we thank you for everything that you do. In your precious name we pray and ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.
17-year-old with a passion for many things. He loves sports. Football has become his passion. Cole was born two weeks overdue. It was a hard delivery. He was taken immediately to the NICU and put in an oxygen tent. So I could tell pretty early on, probably from age nine months, that Cole wasn't developing the way a typical child does. Finally, we did a DNA test on him and we got a phone call. They said, we have a diagnosis and it's called chromosome one P36 deletion syndrome. Other children with this disability range, they never walk, they never talk. Some die of heart failure. So when Cole entered school, I was worried other kids would not include him. Other kids would make fun of him. He gets three electives and those electives he gets to be with the typical kids. I had a pit in my stomach. I just had to pray that he would have a phenomenal day and that others would have his back. Cole once looked at me one time when we were driving down the road and he said, Mommy, I have no friends. Nobody's my friend. And as a mom, that breaks your heart. It, you just want to protect your child with everything you have. Cole's always wanted to play football. Obviously, he couldn't play football. In high school that had a football team, he slowly started integrating himself onto this football team. The coaches noticed that Cole wanted to hang around these boys. So the last game, they invited Cole to dress out. It was a moment that I'll never forget. It was probably the most included I've ever felt my son was. All the football team was there clapping for him, high-fiving him. Cole never asked to go in. He just wanted to be included and be one of the guys. From that point on, Cole and the coaches had a good relationship. And we were told that they wanted to put football on Cole's schedule for his sophomore year. So Cole was walking out the door one day for school and he looked at me and he said, Mommy, you need to email coach and tell him I need a nameplate. And I said, a nameplate? He said, yeah, I a coach. You need to email the coach. I just thought that was really funny. And I used my Facebook pretty much as a blog about Cole. And I just put that story out there. So a couple weeks go by, we don't think anything of it. And there's one day that my phone started blowing up with texts and my husband's did at work as well. And there were pictures of the nameplate that Cole got that says assistant coach Cole Bryant. And Coach DeWitt found Cole a cubicle and they put his nameplate up and Cole has embraced being a coach. Probably summed up best because, you know, after Cole got involved and, and especially after they made him a coach, you know, put him in bed one night, you know, Cole, Cole says, are you proud of me, Daddy? And what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, football's important, but my security's not in football. It's not in wins and losses. Um, my security's in Christ. Life's more than about on-the-field success or, or um, anything like that. It's about the example of Christ, of loving others, and this has been a great reminder that uh, this is why you're here. We never expected the coaches at that level to embrace our son and to include him. We knew that these were men of God that had a servant's heart. They wanted to see our boy included. To me, it's a testament of God being inside all of us. It kind of goes beyond, you know, the term love as, as we define it in American society today. It's really 
there's something inside you that, that wants to be selfless and help with somebody else, and you see that with Cole. Um, whether it's the coaches or his peers, they're not out for recognition that they're doing anything good. They're just there to help Cole, and I think that's a just a great testimony. So as we continue this message series, The Attitude of Christ, we come to this word called compassion. And we see at different places throughout his ministry where Jesus demonstrates this great compassion he has for all those around him. And so as he ministers and as he does these miracles and performs these great, great things to help people realize that he is the Son of God, he shows great compassion. So compassion is sympathetic and concern for the suffering or the misfortune of others. And so as we begin this message and we talk about the compassion that Jesus had, I could have used a lot of examples and there's a lot. As you read the Gospels, you'll see a lot of places and opportunities where Jesus shows great compassion, how he loves on people and cares for people and maybe heals their bodies, but he's more concerned about healing their soul and their spirit. And so let's start out with looking at Luke chapter 4. And if you'd like to go into the Bible app, the Universal Bible app, and go to the events page, you'll see the sermon notes with Porterfield Baptist. And if you ever like to do that, you can save those notes if you'd like to refer back to them. And you can even make your own notes there. But all the scriptures will be there. And we will, we will be, if I can say it right, we will be moving a lot of different places this morning. So Luke chapter 4 verse 16 is where we'll start. So Jesus goes back to his hometown called Nazareth, where he was brought up. And it says, he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogues. And it was, was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. I find it no coincidence that God made sure he had the scroll of Isaiah in his hand as he began to read it. It says, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is making this proclamation of the mission of why he came, why he's here. He's fulfilling the prophecy about him in Isaiah saying the day of the year or the year of the Lord in the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so as he goes to sit down in verse 20, it says this, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. So everybody is watching, everybody's paying attention to what Jesus was going to do next, waiting for him to say the next word. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so the mission in the heart of Jesus is to set the captives free, to help those that are blind to receive their sight, to help those that feel hopeless, to provide hope for all of us. 
that feel like we're captive, we're, we're slaves to our own sin. And I don't think he's just talking about the physical part of us, but the spiritual part of us being blind, the spiritual part of us that is bound by the sin in our hearts and our lives that we've done against God to be set free of all that. And see, this comes with intentionality. And the first thing we have to realize is that we, if we're going to show compassion to other people, we have to be intentional. We have to make a a decision. Are we going to show compassion to people or not? We have to decide, is this what we're going to do with our lives? It's to show compassion to one another. This was Jesus's heart in his ministry was to show compassion to all the people that he came in contact with, to show that he loved them and that he cared for them. And he wanted to meet not only their physical needs, but more importantly, their spiritual needs. And this is the question for all of us. Do we want to be intentional about sharing and showing compassion as Christians? For us to take on the attitude of Christ, to be compassionate, to care about those around us. Like in the story of Cole, that he had people around him, like coaches, that chose to be intentional about showing compassion to him. Giving him opportunities to succeed and feel wanted and cared for and important in his life. Next, we'll look at Luke chapter 7. So Luke chapter 7, verse 44. And I love this passage. There's, of course, many passages I could say I love, but I just really appreciate this. Jesus is in Simon's home having a meal. He was invited to come. So this is what occurs in Simon's home. It says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? The biggest question for us is, do we see people? Jesus saw people. He didn't look at what their circumstances was like this woman who was an adulterous woman who was known in the community of being an adulterous woman. They didn't see her title He didn't see her status in the community. He saw her as a woman that wanted a relationship with him, that she wanted to honor Jesus. She wanted to worship Jesus. She wanted to hang out and spend time with Jesus because in her heart she recognized there was something different about Jesus, that this was God's son. So for us, Do we see people? I love the questions that Jesus asked. And I think it was we read the Gospels. As you read the Gospels, look at the questions that Jesus asked and ask them to yourself. Do you see people? Do you see them? So many times we go to different places. We'll go to the gas station. We'll go to the restaurants. You'll have a waiter today or a waitress or you go up to the counter and order your McDonald's or your Burger King or whatever you want to eat. And you will interact with people. Do you see him? Do you see him as just a worker? Or do you see him as a person? Do we see people that are caught up in their own sin and the things that are pulling them away from God? Do we see them as people that are struggling? People that are helpless? People that need loved and cared for? Valued? When you look around, who do you see? Because I don't think we have to go too far. I don't think you have to go necessarily on a mission trip. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with mission trips. I've been on mission trips. And this summer, we'll go on a mission trip. 
But I will tell you that ministry can happen where you are. There's people around you in your community and where you work and around you that you spend time with and probably go to the same stores all the time that yet have never taken the opportunity to just see the person working there and really see them as a person and really show compassion and take a moment to spend with them, letting them know that you love them and more importantly, that Jesus loves them. So he goes on in verse 46 You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, and her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And so I kind of skipped over those few verses there, but this woman that comes in, this adulterous woman, begins to show this appreciation for Jesus. And he's saying, Simon, when I came into your home, you didn't treat me this way. It's kind of customary when you have a, a guest come into your home to provide them some refreshment as far as washing their feet and making sure their feet are clean and making sure the hair has oil on it to kind of hold down the hair from the being on the road and the traveling and, and going places. But he's saying, Simon, you have not shown me any of this. But this woman is greeting me with a kiss on my feet. She's poured perfume over my feet. She can't stop crying and weeping out of the love that she has for me. Yet all you see is this woman in adultery, this sinner. I see somebody that wants to change. I see somebody that wants to be different, who's stuck in their environment who can't know the way out. And so, you know, the question all of us need to ask, do we see people for who they are? Do we look past their sin? Do we look past the things that maybe we sometimes don't feel comfortable with so that we can let compassion come into play? Don't write people off because of where they've come from or where they've been. Always have an open door to see people for who they are. And maybe you'll see that they're struggling, that they're helpless, that they need someone to guide them and direct them. Do we see the value in people's lives? Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and hearing every disease and sickness, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. One of the key points here that we see is that Jesus has already done the miracles. He's already healed the sick. He's already cured those that had diseases. It says here, when does the compassion really come in? The compassion comes in after this when he looks at the people and they are like lost without a shepherd, when they are helpless and harassed. He's, he's not only just wanting to meet their physical needs. And so many times that's what we think we want to do for people is just meet their daily needs. If I could just help somebody with this. But Jesus is saying what we need is a leader to come involved in their life. We need a shepherd for these people. 
We need somebody to lead these people. So compassion is not just loving people. Compassion is not just showing a heart of that, that you want to care and let them say, oh, I care so much for you and I love you. But to actually have leadership be a part of that as well. Greater compassion is leading somebody out of the hole that they're in. Giving them direction, guidance. Continuing on, he says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We should have great concern for others. And again, I go back to this idea, yes, it's important for us to love people. It's important for them to see our heart, that we care for them. But where is the leadership to actually be involved in somebody's life? There's greater compassion that can be had if you take and make an effort to lead somebody out of their circumstances. As we find out with Mission Field, that, you know, it's great to feed somebody, but if you can teach them how to farm or how to fish or how to, you know, hunt, all these things that they can do themselves, then you're really teaching change to happen and you're equipping them to have success. So many times we want to give ourselves on the pat on the back because we show great love for people, and that's good. But what we really want to show is leadership. Teach them something. Help them, encourage them, be a shepherd. As we talked about a few weeks ago about leading and being that shepherd out in front that you're steering them, you're, you're wanting to lead them to the right direction and that is to ultimately to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But this is why we wanna move forward and what we wanna do as a church is help equip people, help people better to have a better ability to handle their finances, to become better parents, to be, become better leaders. We want to equip people so they can do the ministry for Christ. Jesus had great concern. And does our concern for people move us in a direction to lead people and teach people around us? That we not only want to show that we care by providing a meal, but how can we lead them and equip them to become better, stronger, most importantly, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Looking at Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Luke chapter 7, verse 11, so we're going to go back. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry, then he went up and touched the briar. They carried him on. And the bearer stood still and he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. The part I love is this part in this moment where it says Jesus' heart went out to her. 
When you think about the Bible and how it teaches this concept of the heart, it's talking about your will. It's talking about this, you know, driving force within you. And so his will went out to her. He didn't want to stand on the sidelines. He wanted to get involved. His direction was to go and help her. And while we can't perform miracles, I've never had the ability to raise the dead. And if God doesn't give me that ability, that's totally fine because all glory and power belongs to him. But the fact is, is that we can do something with our motivation and our desire to make the difference in somebody else's life. Your choices that you choose can actually do something to make an impact in somebody else's life by showing compassion. And it's going to take not only intentionality, but showing a willingness to have a heart to be persevere and keep working on it and keep growing to show the direction of your heart, your willingness to be there for others and to help them in their time of need. Moving on to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. I'm going to give you guys his fingers a workout today. Then people brought little children to him for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Why did they rebuke them? Because... They didn't feel like Jesus had the time, right? Jesus said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that time. Some of us feel like we don't have enough time to really show compassion. Some of us feel like we just don't have enough time to really care for people. Or really be there for people. Another word I could have used was availability. To make yourself available to people. There's a story of John Maxwell who says that when he was working at this place, I can't remember if it was a church or a business that he had, but he was uh, in talking with some of the employees and there was this one guy that was ahead of one of his teams that he had. And so he walked past him and all the employees and went to his office and was just really busy, just really concentrated on what he was doing. And, and John walked into his office, sat in a chair, and just kind of, you know, just kind of taking it in as he was just kind of moving frantically. And he said, uh, how, how's things going? He said, well, I'm just super busy. I'm just, just super busy. I just got things I got to do, things I got to take care of. I've got work to do. John said, your work is out there. Your work is among the people that are our employees. And that's just a simple illustration to convey the same thing. We can get busy all the time. We can get into what we're focused on. And yet there's opportunities for us to be available to people, to show compassion, to show a heart, a willingness to serve, to care about people. And as Jesus is, you know, having all these things happen, there's these great crowds coming to him and all these needs are being met. And and I'm sure the disciples would think, well, Jesus doesn't have time to mess with kids and be around kids. Jesus says, no, I want to make time. 
I want to make a difference in the kids' lives. And I'm so thankful that here at Porterfield, we put such an emphasis on our children's ministry. And we, we really want to invest in our kids, whether it's upward sports or it's children's ministry with vacation Bible school or what's happening now and your kids are being taught from nursery all the way up to high school age that there's ministry happening in this church right now but when it comes to compassion whether you work with somebody or somebody in your neighborhood somebody that you spend time with or some chance encounter that you have with somebody? Are we intentional about showing compassion? Are we really seeing the person for who they are? Are we removing labels? Is our heart in the right place? And are we available? Are we making time? Yeah, we can all be busy. We can do busy work. But the things that really matter is relationships. People matter. John chapter 8, verse 3. John chapter 8, verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, the law of Moses uh, condemned, commands us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this as a trap, question as a trap, in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you without, who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote it on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left. When the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus' response, Jesus' words, that there is no condemnation that was said against her, by these people that started dropping their stones and walking away. It said from the older to the youngest, they started dropping their stones that they had picked up off the ground and ready to cast their stone. When Jesus said, you without sin, cast the first stone. No one could do it. It's interesting that Jesus is the only one there in this scene without any sin. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't condemn her either. So many times we prejudge people without really giving an opportunity for them to see Christ. So many people we write off because we don't like their attitude or because they're so far gone, we think. 
when we need to make sure that we open a door of compassion where there's no condemnation. It's not our job to condemn. It's not our job to be the judge. Does that mean we just let sin hang there? No. What does Jesus say? Leave your life of sin. But he welcomes her to start a new life, having a new opportunity. And if we love people and we care about them, we want to love them and then we want to help lead them to Jesus, to change their life for a life experience to change in their life because of what Jesus is able to do. Do we have the compassion in our hearts not to, not to condemn people, not to label people, not to put in people in certain areas to where we say, that person just annoys me. That person just bothers me. But do we open an opportunity for them to know Christ? Sometimes I think we're so willing and so eager to condemn Have we really given someone an opportunity to know the Jesus we know? To understand. There's so many people out in the world that don't know the Jesus I know. And I want them to experience the forgiveness I've experienced in my my life. That Christ changed me. He did something new through me. Again, what what is our eyesight looking through the attitude of Christ? What do we see out there in the world? There should be no condemnation from us. God is the judge. Does that mean we can't be in a fruit inspector and be our brothers, our brothers, our brothers keeper? No, we should care for our brothers and sisters in Christ to help them grow in their walk. But we shouldn't judge them and throw them aside like they don't matter. They do matter. And sharing this gospel, sharing about Jesus is worth it. Let's look now at Luke chapter 23, and we'll stay here for the rest, this chapter here for the rest of the message. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. When they had come to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus says to his father, forgive them. Forgiveness is a great component of compassion. Think about this for a second. Jesus was humiliated, beaten, Mocked. He had lashes on his back that carved into his skin and ripped it from his back. He's on a cross with nails in his hands, nails on his feet. His disciples have abandoned him. Only John is there with his mother Mary. They've all scattered in fear. For him to say these words, 
for him to speak about forgiveness while he's on the cross, he has to push himself on his feet to lift himself on this nail so that his lungs have the strength and the ability to take in the air so that he can form the words that are coming out of his mouth. And what does he choose to use and say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He could have said anything else, but he said, forgive them, for they don't understand what they're doing. They don't know. One of the key things for all of us is to think about if Jesus can forgive those that hate him, Forgive those that may never understand. And this is what I want to share to you and tell you today. Your compassion may never be graded with, I thank you. I'm I'm so thankful you're compassionate. I'm so thankful that you care about me. You may never hear those words from people around you. Jesus was standing there up on that cross. And he was never going to hear the words from the crowd. I'll take him down from the cross. We care about you, Jesus, and we love you. Come down from the cross. We don't want you to be up there anymore. They were eager to see him die. And yet, in that moment where they're eager to see him die, Jesus continues to show his compassion for all humanity and saying, I'm still here. I'm still showing my love to you that no matter how you treat me, how you disrespect me, how you hate me, I still love you. I still care about you. And I'm willing to forgive you of this moment. Thankfully, I've encountered this Jesus. That despite my sin, despite my failures that I continue to make, that Jesus in his great love showed compassion to me to forgive me of my sin because he's a loving God. So sometimes you may forgive and you may not get the respect or the credit that you want or the thank you or the appreciation or the love back that you so desperately want. But is it still okay? Is it still okay to show compassion to others even if you are not respected valued and loved in return this is the attitude of christ the attitude of christ is to show such great compassion for us that while we were still sinners christ died for us in closing or at least the closing scripture i'm not going to make any promises <laughs> luke chapter 23 verse 39 just a little further One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Well, you can just really tell the the arrogance, the, the hatred that's coming from this thief on the cross. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And he he accompanies himself with Jesus like, hey, we're in the same circumstance. We're in the same issue. Save us too. But yet the other criminal rebukes him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, 
for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus' response is this awesome response. Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. So we see the first person to go from being no hope in their sin, turning to Jesus in faith, trusting in Christ, and the first convert to Christianity by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Truly today, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. It's very interesting that Jesus is being condemned because he claims to be the son of God. It's important for us to remember that's the reason why Jesus is put to death. He's not convicted of anything else. This is why, you know, Pilate had such a struggle because like, what is this accusation? What has he done wrong? The only thing he claims is to be the son of God. Who am I to judge that? But yet that's the reason why Jesus was put to death. But he's in between two thieves, probably the same crime, right? This thief over here, he's arrogant. But they must know each other in some level, this other thief. But they have this other viewpoint of Jesus. One hates Jesus, the other loves Jesus and respects Jesus. Asks Jesus simply to remember him. The other one holds on to his arrogance, holds on to his pride. Only one was saved that day. But Jesus wants this choice for all of us. Are you going to come to God with arrogance, with the attitude? Or are you going to recognize that the compassion we see with Christ is life-changing? That Christ loves us. And he cares for us. That there is freedom in Jesus. And this is what Jesus starts out saying. That he's come is to set the captives free. As I mentioned before, it's not just the prisoners that are in prison to be set free from their chains. Or those that don't have eyesight to be able to see. He's talking more importantly about spiritual things. For the blind that don't see Jesus to see Jesus. For the blind to see God himself. For those that are captive to be free from their spiritual darkness in their life. To be free of their sin. To have their slate wiped clean from all the accusations and all the things that they've done in their life. The things that they did to rebel against God. All those things are wiped clean that there's freedom in Christ. This is the compassion that we should have for everyone out there in the world. When we watch the news on the TV, we can be upset with the circumstances and what's happening in the world and be frustrated, but we have the freedom in Christ. And this message is worth telling people about what Christ has done in your life, how he's changed you. It's that is where the power is. And no matter what, how many lives you impact in this world, you never know the difference you make. There's this one movie called uh, One Magic Christmas. Uh, reviewers call it one of the most depressing Christmas music or movies there ever was. I was surprised by that. 
I remember watching this movie as a kid, and it came out in 1985. I'm pretty old, okay? <laughs> but this was a Disney movie that came out, and the story is about a mother that just goes through some hard, difficult times in her life, but she's given opportunities in her life to show compassion. And actually, because she doesn't take those opportunities to show compassion and love for other people around her, she's too wrapped up in her own circumstances, her own difficulties, her own struggles, and she misses out on the opportunities to look at people differently and to really care for them because she feels like she has too much going on in her own life. Ultimately, those choices of not showing compassion lead to a dark place. And I know it's a movie, and there's a happy ending at the end, but I think this is true. When we get to heaven, we may look back and see some of these moments. Maybe we won't. I don't know what's going to be like in heaven. But I'm sure there's going to be opportunities that we could have shown greater love, greater compassion, and leadership in someone's life that we've missed opportunities. And the challenge I want to share for you today, that I want to encourage me as well, because I am, this message isn't for you, it's for me too, right? Do I make the most of my opportunities to show compassion? Do I look for opportunities for people that are in need, that are helpless, that are lost. To show them that God loves them. To be an ambassador for Christ. Am I willing to take the time? Am I willing to look with my own eyes to see? Is my heart in the right place? Am I intentional? All these things we've talked about. We hope it leads to forgiveness for that person. And ultimately, we hope it leads to freedom that they can experience in Christ that only Christ can provide. For those of all of us that do that, I think it makes Christ so pleased and happy with us. You may not always be respected and loved with your compassion. People may not say a thank you, but don't let it stop you from being compassionate. Don't let it stop your heart. You can make a difference. Your life matters, and the lives that you impact matter. Because Jesus came and he died for all of us. And he didn't stop there, did he? He became the resurrection and the life. And we have this opportunity for eternal life. Let's take a moment to pray and we'll have a song of invitation. If you have a need today, feel free and come. God will meet you where you are. But I think it's sometimes taking a step out that God honors the step. If you'd like to pray with somebody, you pray by yourself, that's totally fine. But we wanted you to know we're here for you. And we want to help you with your walk. If you're struggling with your walk, that's what the church is for. Our heart is to help others grow in their faith. To you to be encouraged. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for stories like Cole that we watched in the beginning of this message. It wasn't that they just had pity on Cole. They didn't do just one thing for him. They let him be a part of their community. They let him be able to build bonds and relationships with the coaches and players. They didn't see his disability, but he saw the, they saw the potential that he had and they wanted to encourage him. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunities we have to minister to people of all walks of life, whether they're children or adults, whether they're special needs or people that are just struggling financially or going through some hardships in their life that we hope and pray that we can take the attitude of compassion to another level, that we will make time, that we will provide forgiveness, that we will show them that you forgive the most important thing, and that is their sin, and that you can provide the freedom that only you can give. Thank you so much for loving us and caring for us today. In your precious name, I pray and ask all these things. In your name, Jesus, amen. Desperation, I turn to hell.
come to church, it's not only the message or the music that we hear. I believe God's Holy Spirit speaks to us on an individual level. What is God saying to you? What is his spirit calling you to think on today? What would he like to see you do in the future? This God we serve, he is an awesome God. And he loves us, but he also loves the world. Show the compassion that we talked about today to those that need it most. Sometimes you may be surprised by the people that the people you see that need it. Sometimes they may surprise you. But sometimes it's people right where you are that need that compassion, that love, and that leadership in their life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for loving us and caring for us. And thank you for the beautiful music we've heard today. Thank you for the message, too, for me. Help me to grow in my compassion. Help me to look at those around me and not just see titles or failures or sin. But I see him as a person that you love, that you died for. That I make myself available. That my heart is in the right place. That I'm intentional about it. Lord, that I'm concerned with your concerns. And I can show them a way forward for freedom and forgiveness for you. From you. Be with us now. Give us strength. Thank you for allowing us to be here together in your name, Jesus. Amen.